through the last like three years or so in my own journey of really figuring out like what is going to make me happy what's going to be fulfilling like is working 80 hours a week really healthy Mm -hmm. is lack of sleep is my stress levels like is this Mm -hmm. worth doing this and running my body and my life into the ground in that respect and I said no welcome to something more human I'm Sam And I'm Elliot. We're a married couple exploring human connection and its impact on ours, our guests, and our listeners' lives. Join us in creating something more human. Today, we're in conversation with Tess Coates and Nadia Musla. Both of these amazing women have shops in Old Town, Albuquerque. They are always beaming with joy when you walk into their shops with kindness, with excitement. So we're so excited to have them here to learn a little bit more about their stores, about them as humans. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. I know that Sam knows you two a little bit more. It's nice that we have, uh, I have some shorts now from one place and you, and you have a ring from another place right that you're wearing which is Yay! which is great so there's already some connection in the room but uh yeah we're really excited to dive into you guys and your and your businesses as well in old town same place how, how about how far away are these from each other yeah i mean nice. if we could cut a building in half we would be right there we would just Serious? Walk, it was like yeah. be like a crosswalk between yes. us type of thing it would be yeah. nice yeah and is this your first time meeting each other in person? No. Oh, okay. No. Okay. Actually, Tess, um, gosh, it was probably April of last year. Mm-hmm. I came out with my best friend who owns another shop on the East Coast, similar to what my shop is. And I walked in and introduced myself to Tess, and she was the first business owner. And her kindness and authenticity and warm like demeanor toward me as someone who's new who's going to open a shop but doesn't have a timeline yet. (laughs) She was just very transparent about everything, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what blossomed as a business friendship because she's always been so supportive and so Mm -hmm. kind. And she didn't have to be. Definitely. Because many (laughs) retailers can be very competitive. Yes. (laughs) That actually is very true, and that's one of the things that I've, I've been up against so many times is truly that sense of, like, competition where it's like, nice like a superficial nice but like gonna you know I'm gonna, gonna just you. we're doing business <laughs> you know type of thing and I'm yeah. like at the end of the day like we're just humans and yeah. we want connection and we want to feel seen and loved and exactly. you know and business or no business you know and, and at the end of the day too like competition is good especially mm-hmm. here in Albuquerque mm-hmm. because I think it informs the consumer you know, hey, this is what's neat. This is what's interesting. There's plenty to have here. There's plenty to see here. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. So I never, I, I don't even like to use the word competition. It's just like more, more options yeah. <laughs> for for people. A yeah. high tide raises all boats. And that's mm-hmm. something, 100%. I feel like it's easy to fall into a competition where you're like, oh no, that person's offering something similar yeah. to me. Like, what if people go there? That's, a route mm-hmm. another route is like let's get together and collaborate like right. you're doing something amazing i'm doing something amazing exactly. how do we share ideas and lift each other up and build better businesses well especially like you know meeting nadia i was like okay here's this person like i mentioned earlier you know solving a real true problem here in albuquerque because we just don't have men's boutiques clothing mm-hmm. options anything like that and also came with this you know 
the overall overarching kind of mission of your business, you know, with sustainability and fair trade. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm behind this all the way, <laughs> you know. And it was like, you know, how can we obviously share customers, but yeah. also kind of be there for one another as like business, you know, business owners in the same area that will, you know, butt up against similar issues or, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, things to work through. Do you think that competition maybe is maybe a lack of like of a lot maybe like a lack of community like maybe there's competition because perhaps you don't know the competition as well as you might like to like I, like in this in this situation I'm, I'm just thinking of this idea like if there were these weekly meetings you know in let's say old town for instance and there's five people with the same sort of product that they're offering mm. if they knew each other you know on a on a deeper level like you're saying maybe you'd be able to build each other up and and give each other ideas that might help their businesses and i wonder if because this is the same thing that happens in photography right i mean you know as a wedding photographer very guarded most people are very guarded no one wants to share their secrets or you know or their pricing or you know how they edit or you know how they attract clients and i i I understand it to an extent but there's going to be competition in any market right and i and i feel the same way a high tide raises all boats and i think for me i feel like the the photographers i know on a deeper level there is no competition Right. You know, it just doesn't exist. But the yes. ones I don't really know very well, se- there seems to be like, I don't know you, so therefore I'm a little bit guarded. You right. know? I think it's interesting too because Old Town right now, we just have an association that got stood up. So mm-hmm. the monthly, we're starting to do more collaborative event planning. Like there's this movement um, which is happening right now, which supposedly hasn't happened before. Mm-hmm. So that's really beautiful. I think in time it's going to force people to have to work together i think Mm -hmm. there's still resistance right now and that's okay because you're you're getting people working in a way they've never worked before Mm -hmm. and you're Mm -hmm. getting businesses that have functioned a certain way for so long doing something that feels foreign to them Mm -hmm. and naturally you're going to have businesses that are hesitant to change because as humans oftentimes we lean into what's comfortable what we've been Mm -hmm. doing for a long time and Mm -hmm. changing is hard so right now there's there's a moment which is good from a collaborative standpoint but it's going to take time Mm -hmm. and it's going to take showing people that collaboration is good that Mm -hmm. working together is a positive thing Mm -hmm. and then some business owners are are learning that and it might take them longer than they anticipated yeah do you know the details about like this you know this collaboration is it like one person that had the idea like how you know how do you know about how it came yeah. to be i do yeah um specifically when it comes to like the old town association um, as nadia mentioned so i actually was at the very first kind of meeting of minds that was like we need this right that started at uh, church street cafe and was actually mm. led by um, visit albuquerque which is the tourism leg of our city and they brought in um kind of like a specialist to kind of kick off the communication and, you know, kind of just getting us together. There was a lot of people there at that meeting. I would say like, I don't know, 60 some people, which was insane, you know? Mm -hmm. And now here we are, however many months later, um, maybe 10 people show up to these meetings, you know, maybe not. But through this, what's really fabulous is maybe you don't go every week. Maybe you, you aren't even really interested, but there are starting to be little branches of, um, you know, different committees. So, you know, events being one of them, like Nadia had mentioned, it's huge, you know, mm-hmm. getting more of like a, um, putting our 
our stamp on what we want to see for our community that's not just city initiated mm -hmm. so you know the next big thing that we're going to put on is um uh dia de los muertos event so that's going to be like a good long week-long event and it's getting all these little business owners and shop owners or whether they're residents they could even be just property owners involved and it's not just I'm an entrepreneur. I have a store here in this in the Old Town district, but it's anyone who's involved can mm -hmm. can come to these things, and it just creates more of this like again that synergy building. Like Nadia was saying, it's getting you know starting to shake your neighbor neighbor's hand, getting mm -hmm. to know their names, understanding what's working, what's not working for them, and then it becomes like that team mindset, and you're like a mm -hmm. unified front, and you're not mm -hmm. working against each other. Mm -hmm. It's starting to unfold. Um, that and there's a beautification committee as well as safety, safety and security. I'm glad Nadia brought that up because, you know, to answer your question, um, Elliot, the very first thing that came to mind when you mentioned, like, if we just, if they knew one another, would that competition kind of edge go away? And I think that is a yes. Because mm -hmm. I did think about you being a photographer and how you're, we're in a photographer's home right now, you know, in, mm -hmm. in this setup. And like, you yeah. have been able to reach across the table, be a friend and not see each other as like rivals, you right. know? So I think that, you know, Nadia coming into my store, she came in with, you know, the intention to like meet someone that mm -hmm. maybe is a like-minded person. It <laughs> and it worked, yeah. So yeah. it's like, okay, just put yourself out there, right? Totally. And not from a place of fear, not from a place of, again, competition, but mm -hmm. how can we, we can do this all together? Yeah, hold together. hands, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe for those who don't know or might be fresh listening, can we zoom out for a minute and hear about your shops yeah. and kind of the journey to opening your shop? Like, what was your vision and what is and, it today? And also, why Old Town? Yeah. Mm. I have that question okay. for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to know. So, man. So, why Old Town? Let's start with that. So, Old Town was a place I visited for the first time with my now husband, Ben. Um, I had never been in New Mexico, and Old Town was one of the places we went to explore first. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with it. I was like, how is this authentic New Mexican, like, culture hub of diversity and good food and shops? Like, how is this here? Like, I had no idea that a place like this could exist. The only other reference I have was Santa Fe. and sure. that yeah. was beautiful in itself. But I was like, man, it would be cool one day to open a shop. Not even knowing that one day that would actually come to fruition. Um, at that point, I was in tech. I was traveling every single week, you know, mm. with clients, flying all over the, the U.S. for business. And it was busy. And I was good. I was like, oh, cool. Got, mm -hmm. got my corporate job. All is good. But through the last, like, three years or so in my own journey, I'm really figuring out, like, what is going to make me happy? What's going to be fulfilling? Like, is working 80 hours a week really healthy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is lack of sleep? Is my stress levels? Like, is this mm -hmm. worth doing this and running my body and my life into the ground in that respect? And I said, no. So literally the, the day I quit my corporate job, I was a director of business development for a software company. Mm -hmm. um, two days later, the old town shop that I'm now in came up as wow. an opportunity oh my gosh that yeah. gives me chills it was I literally that that, that quick yeah. and that was when I knew that there was something else I needed to do and this idea in my head of opening up a men's shop 
um, is because there are no places for men to shop safely, comfortably, to really figure out what feels good on their body. It's just not socially accepted still. And men have had this expectation of this machismo, I'm a man and I don't have feelings and I just got to tough it through. And I'm just tired of that narrative for humans. These are humans. They're not robots. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to open up this shop to really open up their minds that jewelry is for them. Self-care is for them. Nail polish is for them. Clothing is for them. And and that was the whole emphasis behind it is if we really want to be equal, if men and women need to be on the same level playing field, then there needs to be a place where men can truly be themselves emotionally, mentally, physically safe in a place where they can feel like themselves. And so that was the first, like, I guess, prong to the business. Mm -hmm. And then the second piece to the business is the sustainability and ethical aspect. Like, we have a very big problem with fashion these days where there's just so much waste and it's contributing to so many problems in our world. And I wanted to really shine light to designers that are trying to change this and using sustainable fabrics like cotton and hemp and linen and raw silk, things that if you were to throw into the ground, it would, you know, die, you know, go back into the dirt and, you know, be a part of the earth again. And so that, that was the mantra behind it. So safe place, but also shining light to people that care about how people are treated in the making of fashion, but also care about how the pieces are being made and what they're being made out of. Mm-hmm. And so that that was it. And then once the shop became open and I got picked to, to have it, which was crazy because I'm a startup and startups usually don't get picked because you have no background mm-hmm. of financial anything. It's just kind of like, oh, we're gonna take a chance on you and it could go really well or it could go really bad. Um, but so far it's been amazing because I'm like Tess said, I'm filling a gap that didn't exist. And I have, I have men who are coming in being like, I saw your post about the nail polish. I want some. Mm -hmm. And that is that right there is the whole point to this is showing men they can be whoever they want to be. And that society and society's norms do not dictate who they are as a human. And how long have you been open? Two months. Wow. <laughs> it feels amazing. so much longer. It does. I've been open since the end of April. So I guess we're July, so two and a half months about. It's incredible. Yeah, it's been yeah. it's been phenomenal. And just Albuquerque, so Old Town in general has been so supportive, but Albuquerque as a whole, I didn't expect the referrals to be what mm. they have been. All of a sudden, I have someone from another state referring someone here, someone right. here referring someone from Santa Fe. And back and forth and and the business has been growing so well based on people supporting the brand and the mission and the value system and that has been really beautiful to see cool yeah that's awesome that's the problem she was solving (laughs) (laughs) i like it's even bigger than i understood and it's so neat to hear like how you're actually providing those items you know yeah it's it's interesting because so like I've had a lot of men come in and they're with their partners and 
they're they're like I've never been in a men's shop where I'm literally trying on the clothes mm-hmm. and my partner's waiting for me. It's yeah. the opposite. Oh, what a good feeling. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the whole point. Yeah. You should have a safe place where you can try on everything in my shop and yeah. we'll talk about it. And I'll ask you the questions of how does it make you feel? Do you feel confident? Mm-hmm. Do you see yourself wearing this? Yeah. And seeing them light up and put on something where they're like, I feel beautiful in this. Mm-hmm. And that's a man saying that mm-hmm. because society said, you know, those feminine words are not for men. You know, you're strong and you're, you know, you've got this. And it's that like machismo mantra, yeah. seeing that flipped on its head and seeing them use words that are a bit more gentle mm-hmm. on themselves is, is really amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As the, as the only man in the group right now, that's the experience that you're talking about is exactly my experience. Cool. And anytime that we go on vacation, you know, you, we try and get you something I to wear. Shopping. And anytime, and we, and as we do that, we'll, you know, casually look in the men's section and we'll be doing that for 20 seconds. As soon as I find out that I'm extra small, I'm like, I'm out. Mm -hmm. So I have never had a good experience shopping my entire life. And it's not just that. It's the, it's the feeling where there's not something for you. It's not just like, oh, whatever, we'll go back to the other day. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's not for me here. And it really like affects your mood. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. You feel like you're left out. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, yeah. I've definitely had problems with insecurity as a, as a short male. And then especially not being able to find clothes is really difficult. So, and that's the problem too, is like I shop at express a lot because like I have some really nice slacks that I wear all the time. Like all Mm -hmm. the all the clothes I wear, I run into the ground and I wear them all the time because I don't have a lot of clothes. And if they fit, I'm like, this is great. It fits. I'm going to wear it. But I don't want to shop at express. Exactly. You know what I mean? I don't want to, I don't, I, I, I'm, it's not about the money, the amount of money. I'm, I'm willing to spend $100 on a nice pair of pants that I can wear for a long time, mm-hmm. but it's express. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd love to go into a, into a local store and, you know, and feel good yeah. and, like, actually spend, have time, have Sam wait on me. That never mm. happens. That never, ever happens. I usually, you know, we, we'll buy, like, a larger pair of pants and I'll go get them tailored. And then it's an extra, you know, 50, 60, 70 bucks for the $100 pair of pants. Size yeah. inclusivity is so important to mm-hmm. me because bodies come in every shape and form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have a few people who are extra small that also I personal shop for. So that's something to keep in mind in the future. Mm-hmm. But I also have people that are 3X, 4X. And mm-hmm. so I have those sizes because that is so important. You should be able to go into a store and not be like, I won't fit into this stuff because I'm either too small or I'm too, mm-hmm. my body just won't fit. And in addition to the sizing inclusivity, I myself go out and source every week for various sizes of linen, cotton, silk pants. I go, you know, as high as I can find them or as low as I can find them. And I bring those in with the sole intention of making sure that I have something for someone. Mm -hmm. And is it exhausting sourcing? Absolutely. Mm. Do I go for hours and sometimes don't find anything? Yes. But to me, I keep doing it because that is the market that I want to make sure I'm continuing to fulfill is making sure everyone that walks through my doors feels like they're welcome regardless of their background, regardless of their economic standing, regardless of their diversity, regardless of their gender, whatever it is, I want them to feel loved and cared for. And I've had situations where there's, there was a man literally last week, he's like, I'm too big for this. And I said, no, wait a second. So I pulled literally seven items, every single one of them fit him perfect. And he bought them. He was like, I've never been in a boutique where I have my size and I go, mm-hmm. well, now I have your number. And now every time that you are ready to shop with me, 
I'll make sure that I have those things that are going to make you feel good. And I already know the designer and I know what fits you well and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And we'll stick with that. Mm -hmm. But it's taking that time to really understand people's body types and Mm -hmm. the the textures that make them feel good and the fabrics that lay nicely on on their skin tone or make them feel good and comfortable. Like whatever it is, it's my job to make sure I'm getting to know them as a human. Mm -hmm. So that way you don't go into a shop like you have in, in the past and been like, I'm an extra small oh, there's nothing here for me. Mm-hmm. And then feeling like you're not loved and cared for because they weren't thinking about that inclusivity aspect. Mm-hmm. That's on the business. That's yeah. their goal. Totally. And that's their job. And if you're not thinking about that inclusivity as a business, then you should probably rethink who your audience is, Right. in my opinion. Right. I mean, talk about human connection, right? Like yeah. the fact that you're open to understanding what colors look good on you what fabrics do you like how does it lay on you you liked that you didn't like that i'm taking notes of your size call me when you want to come back i can't think of a store that you go into and Mm -hmm. shop where they say oh hey i know you by name i remember you wear this size Mm how'd it fit last time or you send me an email the next time you want to come in or you're in town Mm. that that extra step of human touch yeah. goes so far mm-hmm. and is, is kind of lacking as we get deeper and deeper into our phones and yeah. TV and, and tech. Yeah. Tess, I want to get to you, but really quick, one more question that might be even deeper. I have the, I have really, really bad ADHD, so I'm always, and OCD, so I'm always concerned with um, not prioritizing, but I guess cataloging and just what's what I'm looking for. Compartmentalizing? Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm Basically what I'm wondering is are you like, if you're taking notes for a specific client, what does this database look like? Is it paper? Mm-hmm. Is it like, is it a spreadsheet? But, like, where do yeah. you? Is it like in a? Is it in a folder at the Manila end of a folder? Like, what? How does the, that? What does that look files like? Yeah, that. what does that look like? Because that's <laughs> so that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. So um, Shopify is great because you can put notes under the customer. Okay. So I'll put them in as a customer, and then I'll write out all the notes about the experience mm. and what they wear and the sizing and the pieces that they purchased or liked or didn't purchase. And then I have an actual notebook that I write more of the like personal pieces, which is like he came in with his wife and she was really excited about XYZ and mm. they just traveled to here and mm. and they they went on this vacation during this time and it reminded them of this. So I, I, I note certain things because me as a business owner, when I have all of those customers, I don't quite remember their faces, not because I don't want to, but because I actually think I have facial blindness. So... <laughs> So I, I have to write those things down because it goes back to, I don't want anyone that I've shopped with before to come into my shop and I don't remember them or recognize them. And so um, that's more for me as a, as a human yeah. to make sure that I'm not forgetting anyone. Mm-hmm. And, and I am human. I'm imperfect. I will eventually. But in the meantime, I do take notes of everything on both my like actual software system and in my notebook that I gotcha. keep with me at the shop. I want to comment on on Nadia's last comment, or um, I just want to make a joke here. (laughs) So Sam reached out and, you know, called about this podcast opportunity, and she was like, it's Sam. And I was just like, "Uh uh-huh. Like, who's who's Sam who? I'm the opposite. I will not remember your name, but I'll remember every conversation, every place we've ever been to. It's It's, amazing. And we're all different in that way, you know? I will, like, it, I mean, years. It's like this catalog, and I have ADHD, mm-hmm. self-diagnosed, for sure. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it might be why, because I'm just, like, like downloading all these things, you know. So it's 
you know, I was talking to you guys earlier about maybe possibly me being out of the business a little bit so I can work on the business. Mm-hmm. So it's like I have to really think about, okay, if, if my asset to this company in this store is like those that kind of like connection and those like connecting the dots all the time. If you take me out of the business, what is, what would that do? You know, what mm-hmm. does that look like? Exactly. You know, and like mm-hmm. somebody may not even think like you to take a note to remember when Mr. And Mrs. Whoever come in or whatever, you know, like you can pick up where you left off and continue to build on that. Yeah. So all this to say what I was mentioning earlier is like, the minute that you're like, you gave me a reference of a time and a place, I was like, of course, duh. You were just in the sh- your shopping. I remember the ring you bought, like the notebook. I, I remember it all. I have kind of a very long history of as to how where I got to where I am now, opening Luna and Luz. But um, I'll just back up. You know, I grew up here in Albuquerque, born and raised. I guess I'm first generation. Um, and as soon as I was, you know, kind of about to graduate high school, I knew I wanted to be in the fashion industry. Um, in particular, more like wardrobe styling, set design, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I sought that out right away. And I went to school for, in, excuse me, not interior design, it's practically what it was, but um, visual communications and fashion merchandise marketing, which is funny that I am so resistant to posting and marketing. It's bizarre, but mm-hmm. um, long story short, that was in Los Angeles. I was super young, obviously moving there. I'd never, ever really traveled a whole lot as a kid. So being born and raised in Albuquerque and then putting me downtown Los Angeles in the early 2000s was very strange and I didn't love it. Um, (laughs) I love going to LA now, but um, living there was tough for me, even though I thought that's what I wanted, right? Mm -hmm. So I came back home and I was still very young, obviously, just kind of getting, trying to figure out what I was going to do with what I just learned without there being a whole lot of stores, boutiques, interesting places to shop. I found one place that was called Abode at the time, um, and it's no longer open, but it was on, um, like right next to Buffalo Exchange in um, Knob Hill. Mm -hmm. So like next to the Lobo Theater, like that kind of Mm -hmm. iconic, you know, old Route 66 um, area. And um, I just, I had just started working at Buffalo Exchange which actually ended up being one of the, my most educational jobs ever because I learned so much about construction and quality and like identifying, you know, different eras, et cetera, et cetera, and grew on my own personal collection. Um, but at that time I was wanting to really connect with a shop owner and that was Casey Rail of Abode. And um, we haven't seen a shop like hers ever since, honestly. During that time, I, you know, I worked multiple years and, you know, ended up like managing Buffalo Exchange and then, you know, didn't want to do that anymore. Went on to anthropology and I worked there for seven or eight years, I want to say. And that's when I started having children. Mm-hmm. But during that time, I was able to really apply myself um, in terms of like what I had learned and what I was in me all along was the kind of just making, you know, how making vignettes and kind of the overall um, design look and feel of a space. And then Mm -hmm. I was able to like learn and gain a ton of like the anthropology way because I think that is like they've figured it out, right? Um, So that was amazing, you know, also helping to construct, you know, in the art department, like some of the big displays and getting very hands-on. And then, of course, just lots and lots of retail sales. Mm Mm-hmm. Snap forward, I started moonlighting um, and got in big trouble (laughs) by way of doing it. 
Um, it's started moonlighting. getting um, moonlighting is kind of just like doing what you do well, but kind of like as a side hustle while you're working for the man. Mm. <laughs> so here I am with like I guess my corporate job with anthropology, and then was like, hold on, people want what I'm doing, and so you know, Marble Brewery, Betty's Bath and Day Spa, and the Grove, and places like this were like, hey, like we need someone that can do what you do, which is you know, making the store look beautiful and kind of mm-hmm. coming up with displays and mm. helping us pick our merchandise. And I was like, hell, yeah, That's let's it. do it. You yeah, know? That's cool. Yeah, I'm in. Fashion. Yeah, I was like, yes, yes, yes. And plus, I got to kind of learn what it was like to set my own rate for those types of things mm-hmm. and taking on learning how to write, um, you know, uh, agreements and, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But what I learned, of course... Was not, I mean, I could do the job, but I also, it gave me that flexibility specifically because I was starting to have babies and Mm -hmm. grow a family and Mm -hmm. being a little, you know, less capable of fitting the mold of like the, the retail grind, you know, and in all reality, retail is a very non-family friendly environment, corporate world specifically. Um, they, they really are just not. I mean, I, I, I can't say it enough. And I know there's so many people out there that are like, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Typically, you you find that they will not give you whole, um, a full-time hours. You're always a part-time employee. And you have to be uh, fully available with all these crazy hours. And it's only up to the business and the needs of the business as to when you'll actually be working. So essentially that means we will bring you in when we need you and we're not going to give you benefits. Mm-hmm. Cool? <laughs> you know, like that's just how it is. Right. So I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, while moonlighting, taking on these little like side hustles of doing, you know, visual displays and merchandising for these little businesses, I had this little aha moment during the kind of craze and the uprising of um, uh, the, the mobile, you know, food, food truck mm-hmm. vibe. And I was like, oh, dude, let's do this. Like, I don't have um, a lot of capital to start a store. I've always wanted to have my own business. Here I am doing this for other businesses, and I love it. Mm-hmm. But how can I also kind of, like, get in on this and or have, do my version of it, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I did a crowdfunding campaign to acquire a vintage Airstream. And I oh, I purchased the That's Airstream. So it was so fun. Dang. But it was also exhausting. <laughs> so it was my way of let's get some, you know, customer validation. Like, do they want me to kind of go and handpick local goods that aren't just crafty and, you know, tchotchke? I don't want to, like, dumb it down or anything, but, like, truly well-made, you know, mm-hmm. um, local goods and just kind of, you know, providing them to them at different locations, different um, events, coming up with different, you know, ideas to, you know, kind of get our community together. Mm-hmm. So I did that, um, had my second child, and she was like a week old when I got back into it. You know, it's like, oh. it was nuts, you guys. I was, it was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds yeah. Nuts. <laughs> so my second daughter, who's yeah. seven, she'll be seven in November, she has like, she like is the business. <laughs> like, she's just always been with me. But um, the Airstream was fun, you guys. It was really neat to like get out there, get that, again, that customer validation, really low, um, what am I trying to say here? Like low kind of entry into mm-hmm. doing this because I didn't mm-hmm. have brick and mortar to pay for. Mm-hmm. And then 
We have a lot of insurances I needed to worry about. It was just like just it's set expensive. up. Yes, you know this because you're that investment mm-hmm. in so hoping expensive. you think people are gonna you know like what you're doing. Yeah, you're throwing shit on the wall. Yeah, like, I hope this sticks. Totally. Yeah, and you're like this. I think this is cool. Yeah. And to this day, I still every time I choose to bring something into the store, I'm like, I hope people like it. I see it mm-hmm. every single time. Um, and I, yeah, it's just it's a gut thing, you know, where you're like, I think this is gonna work, you know, and you have to believe in it. But that's where truly, like my, um, the beginning of making sure I had. Like kind of just growing my network and um, getting to know the local makers, developing relationships. And I know Nadia is going to totally relate to this. When you're deciding to carry someone's goods, it's not just a, hey, let me order this from you. It's like, here's who I am. Here's what I'm up to. I love what you're doing. There's like research that goes into it. There's heart that goes into it. It's not just a cold call email, you know, mm-hmm. in, I now am over 200 new Mexican brands. So that t- is a lot of relationship building and that's what I'm good at and that's what I love. Um, I clearly have the gift of gab. <laughs> I think Nadia and I both do. <laughs> this is why we're probably starting this podcast for you guys. Um, so that's, yeah, you know, that's where it was at and that's how it all began and it was just kind of like, you know, seeking any opportunity I could to connect to, you know, what's happening in, in the city and now we see pop-up, market, event, workshop like constantly and none of that was happening when when I was getting started Mm -hmm. but I love seeing that that's starting to take place now you know where it's like wow there's multiple things you can do in a weekend but Mm -hmm. before I had to get real scrappy and kind of figure it out it's like all right you know so myself and um uh Amelia she and I started Sister Bar's uh Moonstone pop-up like way back when, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it's, man, it's probably like seven or eight years old now. But like a lot of like firsts, like we started um, with Humble, Humble's birthday bash. It was like me and Shayla Gurney organizing that. Mm. It was just a lot of these like starting things that are now like going, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then it was like, cool, cool, cool. Let's go inward. Let's remind ourselves, Tess, like it is good to build community. It is good to see people succeed. However, what are we doing? Like, you know, how, how is that going to start to like, you know, creep into like what I'm up to? Um, so how long did it take you? How long were you doing like pop-up style Airstream to brick and mortar? What did that transition look like? This is where it gets interesting. (laughs) I think I'm literally gabbing because I'm like, Oh gosh, here we go. It's been a journey. (laughs) Um, so from, Airstream to brick and mortar, I'm thinking it was about probably about two years if I'm recollecting properly. But um, being that I was kind of keeping my ear to the ground and just trying to know what was going on at any given time where the Airstream could be, um, I had learned about the sawmill market. And the sawmill market was this new idea that was about to, you know, happen and it sounded like it was high design and very, you know, food oriented, but it could be very interesting in this whole district, right? Which is now Sawmill Market and Sawmill District. And um, at the time I was still working very closely with Lauren Green from The Grove, um, one of the owners there. And they had just celebrated their 10 year anniversary. And she was very much like, what's next for me? Like, what do I do? I've done this. I have this beautiful, you know, business that's running and I'm proud of it, but like, what's next for me? Mm-hmm. And I was like, how about this? Like, they're looking for a project manager and you guys are like, 
you know, to me, like the kind of high high level operating kind of system in the restaurant world, you know, and they're connected with local farmers, etc. Long story short, got them connected with um, the developer of Salmo Market and they became the project manager there. Wow. Then I had my baby, right? So I was still doing the Airstream and working with the Grove and all of the other um, amazing businesses. And right after I had her, I started yet another pop-up, right, of like little collaborative folks and friends that I had in the community. And one of them was like Hi-Fi Records, which soon became like a quick partner in a, in this business I'm about to explain. At that time, um, Lauren Green came to me and she was like, hey, this is great. You should also know about not only the sawmill market, but also some other businesses in the district that needs to be activated. Here's the contact information for the property, the you know property brand manager. Reach out to them. I did, and I had every intention of just like figuring out how I can like plug into events or whatever, whatever I could do there, you know, assist or consult. Well, that turned into a full-fledged business idea for this humongous space that was like almost nine thousand square feet. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> I remember very clearly. Vidalia was three months at this time, so I was breastfeeding, and I was writing. I had on my either my right or my left, depending on what side I was breastfeeding on, my laptop, and I was writing my business plan for what became Spurline. And I had, um, mm. yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, there's already these little rooms broken up. So if I if I have to work with these walls, then how do I do that, right? So it was obvious: men's, women's, kids records, home, coffee, you know, like what you've seen, right? In bigger cities. Mm-hmm. Then it was just plug and play at that point. It was like, okay, you know, all right, if we do that, what does that look like? Like, it's not just like, you know, here's the idea. It's like, okay, with this idea, here's who I'm going to activate in those spaces, you know? But realizing, you know, I had to, it hasn't been done in Albuquerque before, so I had to really make sure that it was going to be a sustainable model for that much space. So, of course, I pulled in all of my kind of community and all that networking that I had been doing and those events and started to say, hey, here's what I want to do. Are you into it? I pitched the idea. The idea was accepted. And then I went into business and in a partnership. Yeah. With Meet Spurline. So it was interesting. It was a lot of learning. It was a very fast growth and very fast paced. And I tend to like that. And I like kind of thrive in a little bit of chaos mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and i'll kind of fast forward a little bit but here comes covid19 here comes sort of icky partnership stuff and that is no longer and i do understand that they've closed the store mm-hmm. but it's one of my um something i'm very proud of that i got to do and was like i did that and i can do this for myself well, you again. started it you yes. built it yeah you're right you literally yeah. put the business plan together yeah. that said with us how it's yeah, yeah. My baby. <laughs> and breastfeeding like yes. that is incredible she grew up and, in that store seriously and yeah. whether you saw it to the end <laughs> or didn't that's irrelevant because yeah. you literally built the brand and yeah. you built the idea from your brain. Yeah. And they built it from that. Yeah. Like, that's right. incredible. Then that was it. That was the whole thing. So, like, the mission of what Spurline was, what Luna and Luz is, is it's not about, like, the, the way it all started for me at Spurline and what it is for me at Luna and Luz now, it's not about, like, 
what am I going to get for the best margins? And you know that you're totally in the same game right now. Yep. Because you're, <laughs> yeah, it's like your markups are not great because of no. the quality and the consistency yeah, that you're trying to. Yeah, it's expensive as hell to yes. buy good products. And you have to buy them up front. That's yeah. what people don't realize. Some, mm. some, some of them have commission structures. Sure. And, yeah. But I don't. Yeah. Guessing you don't. Yeah, you're tricky. No, I actually, I do have quite a bit of consignment oh, agreements with that's quite good. a few. Yeah. Which helps me a lot because I'm able to um, showcase a wider range yes. of someone's collection versus right. like, I can buy two of those rings right now. You know, it's like, <laughs> I know that having 12 of your things are going to support the overall sale of their yes. stuff and it, it has worked yes but then there's some stuff i need to go wholly owned on and i'm yeah those things i know are gonna sell without a doubt all day mm-hmm. long so i do often start on a on a um, consignment sh- kind of structure mm-hmm. if it's like a new company that i want to hang out and see, yeah, and see how, see they how do. it does yeah absolutely and then it's like okay the goal is to identify exactly what it is that our customers are loving mm-hmm. and let's just keep going on that you know mm-hmm. But a lot of the time, you know, one of my greatest jewelry um, vendors, it's all one of a kind every time. And I'm sure you relate to that, too, with some of your vendors where it's like, this is this is it. You get what you get. You know, it's never going to be, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. And that's the beauty of it, because it's not like I'm ordering from the catalog all the time. It's like you have those again, those relationships the the um, vendor the artisan that you're working with gets to know what what your customer is like and then we start to cater it truly to that customer like who they are yeah like i have the overall ethos the idea you know like mm-hmm. you and but then you the customer they will tell you <laughs> with their dollar you know mm-hmm. and then it's like okay we're not doing that we're only doing this or let's try this but my forever goal is to always be what's coming next. So you can always expect this baseline of things from, from Luna and Luz. Like we will always have this, but then we'll always keep adding, you know, like what's new, what's fresh. And I have to because there's now there's true competition out there, mm-hmm. right? There's stores in Old Town that are starting to be very similar or have similar products and brands. That's good for the artisan. That's good for the community. And I also... With Above Snakes, everything, like, maker-wise and fabric-wise is all made with the slow intention, right? Right. So, like, a lot of the products that you're putting on your skin, I know all the humans that Mm -hmm. make it. Mm -hmm. And that's cool because that's how it should be, in my opinion. But not everyone has access to those. And yeah, so, like, right. where you have all the local makers, which I yeah. love because I direct everyone to all the New right. Mexico local makers to you, I might have people who are U.S. or Canada uh-huh. and mm-hmm. expanding. And that's yep. where we can get collaborative yes, in our education right. because, and it goes back to that topic that we were talking about with competition, mm-hmm. we can kind of get rid of some of that, mm-hmm. like, air. In right. regards to the competition and make it good in a sense of collaborative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I intentionally do not bring in local makers because I know sure. she carries them. Why would I? I'm going to do my extra research and bring in right. people that are local, per se, yeah. makers, um, but from other states. Right. Mm-hmm. Regional mm-hmm. or just small batch. And yeah. yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But where I think it can get a little dicey is when you have multiple shops carrying the same brands Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that is where I could see us doing each other an injustice because then you're forcing consumers to pick what shop instead of being collaborative and saying okay you're going to carry this cool Mm -hmm. you're going to carry this 
I might carry a same similar brand, but mm-hmm. I'll make sure I don't carry the same colors. Like it's so it's, it's funny. such a tough thing. Yeah, that's a lot of to find that balance. It's kind it's of a lot of communication involved there. You know, you're it being is. very very thoughtful. I have to say <laughs> because there are so many people right now in um, that are constantly kind of doing their research and then coming and like basically doing similar things. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm. I find it as like sometimes I get like my face gets red over it because I'm like I've done so much work, but then I'm also like, hmm, I think it's okay. You know what I mean? I'm like, go for it. Like my ego wants to get like, but then I'm like, okay, can this also be informing the customer of this is what we're about? Kind of going back to like why Old Town. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what Nadia is talking about too, and is so true that we see. 30 of the same store selling the same exact things for the past 27 years, you know, maybe Nadia and I can have a very similar kind of ethos aesthetic. And I think that like what I'm trying to get to is, is I have got, I have to be um, okay with knowing that if maybe this is like the inspiration and then they're going to be launching that brand in their shop, then maybe that vendor is probably going to do even better than they'll do in just one shop, you know? So I have to let my little ego go and think like that sometimes, you know? And, and a lot hard. of the time, it is hard. Yeah, but then I realize, okay, like I have no control over this. And yeah. same thing goes for when I knew things kind of got ugly with the place that shall not be named, as I call it now. It, some of my very dear friends were still selling there because they are like, I need to make my, my money, you know? Yeah. And so... I've had to really let go of ego in, in my business because it's just impossible. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's you, like, I can't, I can't think, say you cannot sell to this person one block away from me. Right. They're going to do it. if They want to do it. You, you know, you can't, but, yeah. and obviously I don't know much about this industry, but here yeah. we're having this, we're having this conversation. Right here, yeah. Isn't, doesn't it come down again to maybe lack of education or, or conversation. Yeah. Conversation. I, mean, I mean, what if, what if, what if we brought those two vendors in, not even us, what if you brought the two vendors in, had a conversation? If I think it's all about like effectively communicating, Hey, like this is why it's actually not even good for any of us. Sure. Not that it's not even good for you yes. or me. It's not good for you. Yeah. And here are the reasons why. And if we can, you know, really prevent that overlap, yeah. we'll be more successful. Right. You know, and, and here and here is literally why. And here's the why. Yeah. You so, know? like, that's, like, the work that Nadia is, is talking about, right? Yeah. Where yeah. it's, like, she's, like, I'm mindful of this, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It's interesting because, yeah. like, I can't stop it, but I also know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I have to learn to just kind of lean into it a little bit. And it gives me, like I said, that little, like, but okay, well, what's next? I right? You know, business owners... Mm-hmm. We should be mindful of what other businesses are selling. Yeah. I really think we do because if we all want to stand out, we should all try to be differentiated one way or another. I so agree. And I, this is just my personal opinion is if Tess carries brands that I would love to carry, I'm not going to carry them. Mm. Because she carries them. I'm going to be like, I love those brands, but I'm going to send them over there. There's a couple brands at Lapis Room that they carry. Um, and I don't want to carry those brands because I want them to flourish and succeed with those brands. Do I love those brands? Absolutely. Would I love to carry them? Absolutely. But I'm not going to do it because I don't want, I'd rather be like, yeah, there's also this brand carried at Lapis Room because that's good for them. Right. Just like, oh, there's this brand. Yeah. Like 
um, moon moonstone is carried at yeah. your shop. Yeah. And like, I'm like, oh my god, I freaking love her candles. Sure. She hand makes everything from the container. Oh, bad moon on the rice. Bad moon yeah. on the rice. Thank you. Um, and I'm like. I wouldn't even want to go and ask her to come into my shop because she's already established. Why would I do that? Thanks, Nadia. I think this is an interesting conversation because it also opens up diversification. Yes. Because Albuquerque and New Mexico at large have so many makers. We yes. do. So and there's, many. There's enough room for it, for all of us to have mm-hmm. different yeah. makers in each shop. Sure. Right. There was one very, 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 very successful, and she's crushing it here in Albuquerque. She asked if, if there's a collaboration, I, and I politely said no. Because I already know that she's in a lot of Everywhere. shops around me. And I'm cool with that. That's mm-hmm. amazing. I'll keep blowing her up and keep mm-hmm. suggesting go buy her candles. But mm-hmm. for me personally, I don't want to bring in that competition that doesn't need mm-hmm. to be there. When mm-hmm. I could say, Tess has all these brands I freaking love. Mm-hmm. They're all local. You want locally made? Go to her shop. Mm-hmm. And I literally send people to her shop all the time for that because I know about the makers right. that she has. It's a both and. It's a both and. Yeah, and right. I I would hope that more retailers as they pop up, is it more time and energy to find yes. new and innovative? Absolutely. It takes but me hours it. to fun. find. Yeah. It is <laughs> fun. It takes me hours. Like I'm I'm trying to find a new candlestick company because I have um, a collaboration with Margot from Dust Ceramics coming in. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I really want beautifully made candles that are you know 100% beeswax yep. and there's a few but they're already carried in shops yeah. so I'm like okay I'm gonna go find a new one and because there's enough makers out yes. there and enough people who are passionate about yeah. this side that I I just have to do some research it might take me a couple days to find mm-hmm. them and I did yeah thankfully yeah. and I'll test them out see how they burn and mm-hmm. and we'll go from there but I I'm very protective of this yeah. aspect because also as a consumer myself I don't particularly like going into a shop where it's all the same yes. stuff every single shop mm-hmm. I want to see different stuff yeah. well because that's mm-hmm. kind of I guess what we're here for today too right is like like building those connections and those relationships that then allows you to to have totally. it in your business you totally. know and it's not just yeah it, that's the fun part for me I love a me challenge too. right like you digging for the right Mm-hmm. thing and finding the right person for that thing and you know exactly mm-hmm. and and appreciating the difference between the shops because if right. every shop looks and has the same stuff yeah then you're not really a differentiated shop right you're the same fucking shop yes yeah so yes. we as retailers need to be mindful of that and the whole point of opening up a retailer space in my opinion is to have differentiation and not being exactly like the person next door. Mm -hmm. And in order to maintain that, it's gonna take us having the research and having done the background Mm -hmm. and finding those small makers who aren't maybe unfair. Yeah. Mm. I'm noticing a theme here. I'm gonna zoom us out. I'm, I'm noticing a theme of intention. Elliot and I kind of go into what is human connection? What does it look like? If we had mm. to name it, what would it be? And for me, the, like my buzzword was intention. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of already talking about it, but I'm curious about moments in your journey as a human. Mm-hmm. And of course, business is a thread of that. Yeah. Where there was a person or a connection, good or bad, good and bad, that really kind of changed the trajectory of the person mm-hmm. sitting in front of us. 
I know that's a heavy, deep question. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll dive into this a little bit. So, so growing up into the young Nadia, um, the way that my parents grew up were very patriarchal, very much like this is where the woman's job is in the household. And then as a, as a young girl growing up, and then you have both your mom and dad who grew up with that sort of mentality, um, it was really important for me to challenge that, mm-hmm. right? So like my mom and dad were really good about saying, okay, F the patriarchy, you're going to, you know, survive and do what you need to do for you and never depend on another human to be successful. So that was at my basis of growing up. My childhood was a lot of ups and downs, but that was the core base and that really drove who I was Mm -hmm. today. And so as I then moved into the technology field, because naturally I was a woman who's like, I'm going to go conquer this male dominated field and be a female, you know, rising to the top. And I eventually became a director of business development for all of North America, yada, yada, yada. But it it came with its challenges of being the only woman in business. Mm -hmm. And my moment of switching was actually on a work trip in that last role I had where one of my colleagues, who is a man, a very machismo man in some aspects, he was like, let's go get pedicures. And that moment of like, Hmm. holy shit, I've worked this long with this many men, and none of them, all of them were always like, oh, pedicures, because I would get pedicures on the road all the time, Um, or get my nails done, or get a massage while I was out on the road, because I was already there, staying at X hotel, whatever. And... That was the first time that I ever ever had a man say, let's go get a pedicure. Let's go do some self-care. Love it. And that was so big. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize until probably after opening up Above Snakes how important that moment was mm-hmm. because it was showing me men love self-care too. I always mm-hmm. knew it, but I'd never seen it in real life. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen a man be like, I want to go to pet care. Or I want to get a massage. Other than my husband, my husband loves all those things, but he, he's in a part of my everyday world. Mm-hmm. Whereas these other humans are not. Right. And that just showed me how much men are not shown that they can also partake in self-care. So that mm-hmm. human connection was, for me, that was a very big turning point because, as I said, in my childhood, I was always having to strive to be one of the men, mm-hmm. right? Having to be their equal. And then now that I was their equal, it was like, holy shit, there's still a gap there. We need to fix this. And so I think that that was probably, like, my turning point of, mm-hmm. like, the why I wanted to do this and why it really drives it to that, like why it's important. That's not at all where I thought you were going to go with that story. (laughs) Me neither. I I love Mm. I was like, oh, some shit's going down. (laughs) Some awful human. Yeah, Yeah, there there was a big, a big turning point for me leaving the tech industry was the gender discrimination and sexual harassment aspects that do take place Mm -hmm. in, in, in a male dominated field. And it was something I had dealt with my entire career. Yeah. Um, and funny enough, opening up a men's shop to show them the, the aspects of what it's mm. like to be emotional. Mm. Um, that's probably 
or more than anything. That's definitely a part of why I chose the, the direction I did. But that, that memory of the pedicure was, was a catalyst mm-hmm. because it's like the epitome of machismo, right? Like of, of a man resisting something as simple as self-care. Yeah. And then finally a man decided, let's go do it. And then him and I are sitting there with another female colleague and we're all getting pedicures. And oh, it was fabulous. Yeah. I've never had a pedicure. I'm trying to convince you. That's my point. Ever. Why not? Or a manicure. Why not? To be fair, honestly, I'm very self-conscious of my feet. My sisters sure. tortured me as a child <laughs> about my feet. So I, she doesn't really see my feet very often. No, I've pro- um, Elliot and I have been married almost five years. I can probably count on my hands how many times I've seen his feet. Or at least up close. So I think that there's yeah. a lot of unpacking to do there. Yeah. You know? um, which, I mean, kind of, you know, it's right into it. Even with my hands, I'm just like, it's the whole know, journey. Just, but I mean, yeah, it would be, it would be, it'd be nice to have a pedicure. I also all my male friends. That's never been like I so I'm like, are the things we do self care? Like, is going to hit balls right on the range? Is that yeah. self care? I think it is in a way. But when it comes to our bodies, uh, like, are we doing stuff together? Like, besides the gym, I don't go to the gym. Like, have I ever told like told a friend like let's let's do something for our bodies? Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if that's kind of what you're trying to get. At. I think there are many ways to yes. do self care. That's exactly but what I'm trying never, to get to. Ever, I've never, I've it's never not, thought let's my male friend let's go get a massage ever. Because it's not something that was in your purview. No, your whole life. Like for right. me, as a as a woman, of course. right? Here's yeah. the man and woman thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something I always did with my mom mm-hmm. as a mother daughter thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'd go get pedicures, we'd go get manicures. I never did it with my dad. I'd go shoot basketball hoops with my dad right mm-hmm. it was always a female male thing mm-hmm. and for me i'm like why are why is it so divided so why is that even a <laughs> yeah, thing right. you know what i mean yeah and and i that's what i want to change or at least impact is mm-hmm. that you can in go your space. pedicure mm-hmm. and whatever shape or form you want to be in and whatever right. your feet look like my feet look like shit right now because i haven't had a pedicure in a while yeah. also everybody has feet yeah they just like feet are kind of weird humans and, like, have bodies exactly yeah. we have appendages we have but, fingers we have toes and it's getting back to that basic mm-hmm. acknowledgement that yes we might have different genitalia okay but it's about we're still humans with emotions, with needs, with yeah. wants. Mm-hmm. And what are those? Let's dive into it. Because as women, we've been socially accepted to be emotional. Mm-hmm. We've been told since we were little we're emotional, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, she's just being emotional. Right. Even in the workplace. But men have not. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's angry, but that's justified. Yeah. Not emotional. And it's so interesting, too, because then when we meet a 30-year-old man, society's like, well, why don't you have emotional intelligence, even though you have zero skills over time to really develop it? And I'm not trying to toot my horn at all, but I feel like of all men that I know, I feel like I'm, well, out of maybe the average 32-year-old male, I feel like Mm -hmm. my emotional intelligence is pretty damn high. I'll toot your horn. You know, like to a fault. Like I don't have, I don't have, I have maybe one male friend that we can talk about pretty much anything exactly. at all and all my other male friends are, are completely closed off stuff. i know i know nothing about you exactly. like that wall is is well, up always you know and it's so. so it's so multifaceted right because i think about i think about my husband in this regard when we met he was very much aligned with that machismo aspect in some ways of like i'm just going to keep working through this I don't, I'm fine, mm-hmm. I'm good, I'm angry, but I'm going to go to the gym and then let it go sort of thing, which yeah. is, like, in itself not healthy in right. a lot of ways. And 
it wasn't until he really decided to dive into that of like, why am I, why is my body reacting this way? Mm -hmm. Why do I feel this way? Or what are some better tools? And Mm -hmm. through therapy and through meditation and through conversations with his partner, AKA me, um, he really challenged his upbringing Mm -hmm. because so much of how we are, are how we were raised. And then, but anyways, I digress. The whole point is to hopefully create more moments like the the moment with getting that mm-hmm. yeah, pedicure for more men in general. Right. Mm-hmm. And allowing it and accepting it and loving it. Yeah. Before we get to you, Tess, real quick, I'm I'm that's what I'm trying to think of right now though. Why like is it genetic? Like at what point in my life did I I don't know if I decided because my I mean my dad and I had a pretty good relationship for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, is that, is that why is it just my upbringing? Is that why I'm, you know, I'm more emotionally intelligent? Is it because my dad is maybe a little more emotional than most men, even though mm-hmm. he did have his anger issues? You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I, cause I didn't really have any time to practice with any other men because I literally have not met very many men in my life that have been emotionally intelligent. Right. Partly her for sure. Yeah. De- I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely probably, yeah, it's probably mostly I think it's because also, of you. It's also voice, right? Yes. Your household was mainly women, mm-hmm. but because your dad so infrequently heard the words from his own dad, I love you. Yeah. He made it a point to be very vocal with you about mm-hmm. how he felt about you. He mm-hmm. changed it. Yeah. And I think that, that just putting the words out into the world didn't stifle you in how you might then go out and put your emotions into words. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not like, I am feeling this particular way because of this particular thing. But just in general, that it wasn't taboo to mm-hmm. tell people you love them. Mm-hmm. Like, when Elliot All and I met, yeah, exactly. I'm, I definitely have this, like, you know, my dad's of that generation, which is, like, I will just hold it in until enough time passes that I forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> and so when Elliot and I first met... All of our friends could get them hugs. I love you guys. See you next time. Bye, guys. Love you. And I'm like, I don't know. It took me a really long time to start telling my friends when we left, I love you. Which is so weird because you love your friends and you want to tell them that you love them. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, weird. it's weird. It's just I think a vulnerable it's, place. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's just you weren't taught that. You weren't shown that. Mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't shown how to communicate properly. But my parents always told me they loved me. Mm-hmm. My dad especially. Yeah. He's a very affectionate human, but we didn't talk about anything yeah. other than... Like the deep stuff. Yeah, we didn't yeah. talk about anything deep. I didn't learn that until I got into therapy. Yeah. And right. have been in the last, you know, seven years. Oh, yeah. And those skills are not innate until we start having the open dialogue that mm-hmm. this is a problem. And it's just, it's, it goes back to why I opened up a men's shop. There's a problem there. Mm-hmm. I want to fix it. I want to change it. I want to build a space where you can come in and feel your body and feel the texture of something and say, I, I look sexy in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And that's not a female or male thing. That's just a human thing mm-hmm. to feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's changing it. Hopefully it's something that just keeps rattling in my mind. And I'm like, I hope it lands in what you guys are saying here, but mm-hmm. you know, through my own therapy as well, something that <clears throat> I'm having to like learn in you know my personal self and like my sexuality even with myself as a person not in my sexual relationship with my partner but just me and also trying to foster a good way forward for my preteen who's 11 yeah of this over thing like the the overarching idea of self-care and self-love 
it's like really hard to get there, but if you can just get to the baseline of acceptance mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. Because I mean that, that like you said, size inclusivity, being a big body person, I'm gonna own it, I am a fat person. It's so hard to be like, I love my fat. Some people are there, but as, if I can get to that place, like say if I was shopping in your store, I feel like, cool, this is also for me. Then I can maybe go to that, like, whoa, I really love myself, you know, like, yeah. place. It's building but it's places like, that are for everyone. baseline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? It's yeah. making sure that people feel welcome and yeah. safe and yeah. loved as right. soon as they walk through those doors. Exactly. And never making any assumptions yeah. about someone based on your underlying biases yep. that mm -hmm. are there because right. of how we're taught. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And... It's literally all up to all of us individually to say, okay, cool, I have these biases about X humans or X humans in this group, whatever, and saying, fuck that. Yeah, right. And consciously saying, fuck that. Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy for me to have someone walk through the door and make an assumption about them. Right. But that's so wrong of me as a business owner because I shouldn't. They're mm -hmm. just a human. That's my assumption. What are you, human? Mm -hmm. Cool. That's it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you answered that question, actually, Tess, about the person. What was the question? The person mm -hmm. that sort of changed oh, yeah. your... Or it doesn't even have to be a person, but a connection. Or that, situation. Yeah. Good or bad yeah. was, was a catalyst or flipped a switch or really stands out as kind of a moment in business and in life. Right. Like also taking the 10,000 foot view that we're all just humans sitting mm -hmm. at this couch. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm going to go this, the direction of when I was very young and establishing what I wanted to do. Um, but even just as a child being observant and, and being impacted by my mom's mother, who we called Oma. So that's German for grandma. Right. Mm -hmm. And she, um, this is going to be a little like my woo woo side is coming out here. So I'm just going to own it. I love it. But when she was passing away of cancer, we were really close to her. We saw her from the start to the, you know, to the end. Mm -hmm. And I had the absolute pleasure of being right above her and kind of just in her vortex, in her space of crossing, you know, of passing from this life to the next. Mm -hmm. And she had one little spurt of energy left right before she, she moved on. And I was singing above her and she just held me. She just picked herself up and just like held on to me to the point where you're like pulling away and she's still holding, you know, and I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so I just stayed there with it, you know, and um, I was able to actually be able, you know, of course, um, kind of manage and, and understand her passing in a different way because of it. But what's bigger than that, a lot of the time people will ask me, where did you, how can you do what you do? Like, how do you know how to make things look and feel? Yes, I did question. learn some stuff at school, right? Why are you doing what you're doing? Where did this come from? And I'm telling you guys, she literally gave me that. Like, it was like mm. an actual transfer from her you're to me. And, and I that's, promise that's you that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, because there's so much, you guys, that I'm like, I have no idea, no clue. Just like all of us in the things that we're good at, the things that we're interested in, or the things that we want to know more about or that come naturally to us it's like you can't explain it right mm -hmm. um and we all have whatever that is mm -hmm. career or not career you know mm -hmm. um 
So I would say like that is the most important, pivotal, mm-hmm. kind of impactful moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, I just, you know, that true transfer of like, here's this to you. Yeah. He was also, you know, observing like how she operated the, what she did with her life all the way down to like the types of water she drank, you know, like everything, <laughs> all those little details mm-hmm. that I observed, you know, and want to be a lot like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I think there's something to be said about like generational, um, kind of like multi-generational uh, upbringing and that I can see being really important for our kiddos. Mm-hmm. And I think is so cool to see in a lot of cultures that maybe aren't, um, truly American but where like you know the Japanese for example like they live together forever you know until someone gets married you know but it's like mom dad kids the multi-generational grandpas they're all in the same home and I think there's something so interesting that can come from that like those Mm -hmm. foundational kind of things that Mm -hmm. come with it you know but um that's the good stuff I would say like there's also some like trauma and like sure. crazy shit that I'm still working through that I would say has pushed me and helped me have this kind of rise from the ashes that I think we all kind of have you know um that it's like yeah that's there but I also don't want that to be it there's also true magic that has gotten me where I am mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and then I think um you know listening and being open to and um you know, like the whole everything happens for a reason thing. Like it's so beautiful when you, like Nadia had um, mentioned earlier that she quit the quit her career, her lifelong career, and two days later this this window opened. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was, and it's like <laughs> the most epic, beautiful space in Old Town. It's like a standalone. Yeah. You know, but it was like there are moments when that happens, yeah. and you're like, oh, this it is literally meant for me Yeah. when it's like everything just unrolls, like unravels for you. Mm-hmm. It's like that door closed, it hurt, it was whatever. And then all this stuff comes flooding yep. and it's so beautiful when it reveals itself immediately. And sometimes it's not until we're like, you know, years and years later, they're sure. like, aha, you know, like yeah. the thanks for that happening, you know, even mm-hmm. though I didn't want that to happen or that's not how I wanted it to go. Mm-hmm. Or it's I didn't just... understand in that moment. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's yeah. kind of like surrendering, you know? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's I know it sounds surrendering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds cliche, but I am so like deep in embodying mm. a big door closing. Mm-hmm. Just make space for another big door to open. 100%. And some of those cliches are just straight up true. Like, yeah. even if you it's, can't see yeah. it, declining a big opportunity or saying I'm not going down that path, even though I thought I would make space for you to turn around and go a different path. Yeah, Even absolutely. if you have to forge it yourself. Completely. Mm-hmm. Completely. I, as we start to wrap up, I'm curious about very specific and kind of tangible things that listeners can walk away, whether they're business owners or just humans going about the world trying to make connection. A couple of themes I'm hearing are like knowledge transfer, whether that's from your parents or to your children or even as a community member mm-hmm. to the other people in your community. Yeah. Like Elliot's talking about how do you show people the value and educate them mm-hmm. in something. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I heard was trusting your intuition. Mm-hmm. This yes. piece of openness to yourself, to yeah. other people, putting yourself out there like, yeah. I don't know this stranger, but I'm going to introduce myself. Absolutely. If it goes well, that would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> right. And that was it. Go for yeah. it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I am right now personally in a place of like, you know, like your heart and your head. And then I think 
your gut. You know what I mean? Like there's my gut is never wrong. My heart and my head will get a little kind of like they battle each other, but then it's like, like just really like (laughs) bracing and like bearing down to the gut, you know, and it's not always the answer you want, you know, and not being afraid. Right. Like, I mean, or taking that fear and just pushing through it, Mm -hmm. like introducing someone, you're introducing yourself to someone, Nadia and I, again, returning to, we have the gift of gab, like we're comfortable (laughs) being thrown into a room. I'm reading you that way. I'm totally, no, it's true. But what if somebody wasn't and they wanted to get started on something like, well, what does that look like? The other piece to it too is just to be kind. Yeah. I think being kind is such an important baseline because you never know what's going on in someone's head. You never yes. know about their insecurities. You never know what, what they're dealing with. You never know if they're having a good day or a bad day. And at the basis, people just want to feel loved mm-hmm. and people want to feel included and important. Mm-hmm. And you can show that by just being kind when mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. you know walks through your door in our shops and greeting them and treating them as humans versus a paying customer mm-hmm. right. taking that away and just being like you're a human and you're loved here mm-hmm. and I'm going to be kind whether you buy something or you don't mm-hmm. because at the end of the day being and showing you that you're a human is what matters more mm-hmm. um, if we can treat people that way because I know for Sure, when I go into retail shops and if someone doesn't greet me or they're not kind, I'm going to turn my ass around and walk out Mm -hmm. because why the fuck would I support them if they can't even be a basis of a kind human, you know? Right. And that happens, unfortunately for me, I feel like that happens pretty often. Mm -hmm. And that's sad. Walking in, not even being greeted, I'm like, it's pretty easy to do. Yeah, just to say hi, hey, welcome in, how's it going? Right. Or or even just like being authentic and complimenting them on something that... You know, you, you could think about, like, there's an example. This woman came in with her son this week, and she was having the time of her life. They had been on this excursion for the last three weeks because she's a three-month-on, like, multi-weeks off. That's mm-hmm. what her job entails, and she's across seas oftentimes. And she came in on, on Sunday, this last Sunday, and she was her eyes were all red, and I said, oh, my God, are you okay? And she goes, I had to say goodbye to my son because they're partying ways. So I just mm-hmm. pulled her in for a hug. I just yeah. don't even know this woman. Just gave her a hug, and she cried Yeah. in my arms. Mm-hmm. And that took no effort on my part to, like, see and notice and make sure that she felt validated in what mm-hmm. she was feeling. And if we did more of that, that would go so far. Mm-hmm. It would make yeah. us see each other as humans yeah. and not <laughs> about our political affiliations or right. our religious outlooks or our assumptions or our biases, it would just strip all that shit away and say, you're a human and I love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a vulnerability without an agenda. Exactly. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of a place that I come from all the time. Me too. Because I think we've been in positions and here we are, we, we have, as you mentioned earlier, Nadia, the privilege of having a business, yeah. the privilege of having a business, you know, like or wanting to start a business or whatever, wherever we are in our journey. Sometimes people will hold you to a specific regard or like a kind of this platform, but I, I, I get off of that platform and I am just down here and I am walking my walk. I'm talking my talk. I'm not behaving any different way. I am not, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, 
You're staying authentic. True. It's yeah, it's real, it's dirty, it's interesting, it's you know, it's everything. And it's not dirty and messy, the, I should yeah. say, but and you're it, removing any arrogance correct. that a yes. platform like this can yes. give you. Because at the end of the day, you're you're not any better than the humans that walk through your yes. door. Yeah. Yep. Because you happen to have money to open up a business. Mm-hmm. And now you're unrelatable, right? Yes. If you're up here, like how are you making connections with people? Yeah. Like, what, is your, what is your day-to-day exactly. look like? Are you satisfied when you go home? Yeah. And you definitely get more satisfaction and feel-good endorphins when you're kind to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You feel good when you're kind and have great conversation. You literally go home and you're like, wow, that was a good day. Mm-hmm. I tend to be <laughs> kind of like an anti-seller in my space because I almost get more, like, nervous about trying to like make a sale than I am just trying to like get deep with someone mm-hmm. you know it sounds like maybe you're similar mm-hmm. where I'm like oh my god they came into shop and I literally just talked to them for 30 minutes and mm-hmm. I think I've done that with you I've done that with so many people and I'm just like you know like although that's not serving my business that is like that person's gonna totally remember the way they were made to feel and I felt amazing coming out of that conversation mm-hmm. Sometimes you walk away feeling exhausted. I don't know, Nadia, if you do, but I'm, like, dead to the world at the end of the day sometimes. I am. Or I'm, like, highly energized. It depends, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's, like, a giving of yourself, you know? You are. You are, because you don't know what kind of human's going to walk through that door and what kind of emotional or mental state they're in. Right. And if they're in an emotional state where you want to, like, for me, my innate want is to, like, make people feel good and make them feel loved. And so, like even though you're trying to make them feel good, it does take out of you. And by the time you get home, you are really tired. And oftentimes I need to like curl up and read a book (laughs) and be away from from everything. But, you know, I would take this opportunity and this experience over my life on the road Mm -hmm. and my life away from my family, you know, and my life living out of a hotel and that, great was it was it was great in so many ways because it gave me the financial backing to start my own company but at the expense of my body and my mm-hmm. mind mm-hmm. and physically and just everything and so I'll take my my evenings that mm-hmm. I'm a little tired and need mm-hmm. to recharge over living out of a suitcase mm-hmm. any yeah. day <laughs> it sounds like another theme that's coming out of this is self-care right this is yes. another cliche that you can't pour from an empty cup mm-hmm. you can't you it's can't. real. <laughs> it's How so can real. you possibly show up for other people if you can't show up for yourself? Yeah. And that's why, like, for me, I'm very particular about my business hours. Like, mm-hmm. I've had some customers be like, well, why are you only open Thursday through Sunday? And I'm like, because I need a life. Mm-hmm. I need to spend time out in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. I need time to read my books. I need time to thrift. I need time to do nothing go be a human to be a human because if I don't have that time yeah I can't show up for you when you Mm -hmm. walk through those doors Mm -hmm. and it's a balance and I think as businesses we've been at the beck and call of our consumers and I know that in my previous world, I'd have customers calling me all weekend yeah. being like, we need this. I need this. Oh, my God, Nadia, this is on fire. Right. And I would work Monday through Sunday. And it was crazy hours. Mm-hmm. But I don't want that life anymore. Right. And then yeah. and I'm okay not making crazy money to have a life that's fulfilling mm-hmm. and loved and not high stress. Mm-hmm. 
And I think more and more consumers will appreciate that when the retailers set those expectations too, because those are mm-hmm. those are the hours that they move forward. Then you can be intentional about when you want to come in and shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the podcast is called Something More Human. And so the last question that I was going to ask that I think has been answered, which I think will probably be a recurring theme quite a bit, hopefully, in these podcast episodes is... Um, the question word for is in a world that often values superficial connections or relies heavily on technology, how do you cultivate genuine and authentic connections both within your business and in your personal life? And are there specific practices or approaches you found helpful in nurturing these connections? And I think the answer I'm hearing is like, just be fucking nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's love. And that seems so, it seems it is, I was gonna say it seems so easy to do and I feel like it is so easy to do. And so there's also some, responsibility from the four of us somehow educating other people on how I don't know how I don't know how that looks but to be educating people how to be kind yeah and not that we're the the you know the perfect example but the answer does seem simple you know I think there's it is it is to be kind I think it's be kind and be real right Mm -hmm. like before we started recording we were talking a little bit about the journey and it's relatable and we're all on a journey and yeah. it's not just the highlight reel that is social media yes which yes can be tricky to remember because mm-hmm. you're consuming so much of the highlight reel that it can be difficult to remember everyone has their own shit mm-hmm. everyone is on a journey Correct. doing their best mm-hmm. some days are good some days are bad mm-hmm. one thing my husband always says and said to me way back when we were dating was comparison is the thief of joy yep (laughs) and it's remembering that my journey is different than tessa's journey tessa's Mm -hmm. journey is different than my journey Mm -hmm. and allowing that allowing those things in our journeys we can work together but they're it's not the same and that's Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and where she's at in her life and where I'm at in my life are completely different. And that's okay. It's not a bad or good thing. It's just it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's remembering that you're in your own world. You don't have to be comparing your world to other worlds because it started at different times with different influences, different experiences that don't make it better or less than it just is. Well, and it kind of goes right back to what you said earlier too. It's like you have the, the, you have a whole narrative that you've developed for someone without even trying, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Typically that's like our ego, that's us, mm-hmm. but you actually, you might not really know, you know what I mean? Like truly how they got to that place. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. But it's like, um, I think one thing that I'm really, hopefully maybe this would answer your question is like, how are you showing up as your like relational self, you know, and like getting out of just you and like who are you like as an us right now like me and Nadia we've developed like an us relationship in this conversation and us with this conversation Mm -hmm. so it's like getting out of that independent like just me mindset when you are having conversation or are kind of in community with people just remembering to be inclusive yeah Mm -hmm. in whatever way or form that comes in and within the different dialogues you'll have throughout business or personal Mm -hmm. It's, it's a practice in vulnerability, I think, is. which is a muscle. Very like, much so. you got to work it. Yes. And it'll atrophy if you don't work it, yeah. like mm-hmm. social skills, like hard skills. Definitely. So 
Elliot and I definitely want to thank you both for your yeah, openness seriously. and your vulnerability. That's <laughs> not something that you just stumble upon, yeah. and it's something that you work, and we really appreciate it both sitting here in this conversation and just out in the world when we bump into you. <laughs> and I know that people listening will feel it, and people who come into your shop will feel it. So I will be putting show notes, however this goes live. We're still learning, and, like, links to your stores and shops. But if people wanted to connect with you, on the internet or in real life, how would they find you and connect with you? So for Above Snakes on Instagram, which the tag is at Stay Above Snakes, and you can also email me at hello at shopabovesnakes.com. So either one works, or you could Google me um, in the shop and it has the shop phone number there. So you can text or call. Text is probably easier because I'm often with customers. So Mm -hmm. I'll get to you when I and I can have a break, but those would probably be the, the easiest means. And really quick, Al, for the Albuquerqueans, this shop is, I mean, obviously they can Google map it, but I just like spatial, seeing it mm-hmm. in my head. Where yeah. where exactly is this shop in yeah, Old Town? Yeah, it's right off of Romero. So when you are going into Old Town, it's the first, one of the first shops on the left, right across the street from the parking lot. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. Um, so Luna and Luz is also in Old Town. Kind of like a backyard neighbor to stay above snakes if there wasn't a building between us. Yeah, it's literally right across. Yeah, yeah we're on Sweet. the San Felipe side, so it took me forever to realize this, but there's two streets in Old Town, and they run parallel to the church. So we're on the east side of the church. Um, the way you can connect with us is also through Instagram, shop at, or excuse me, sh- at shop Luna and Luz. Our website, um, lunaandluz.com. Uh, there's also... You know, Gmail, of course, um, which is shop at lunaandluz.com. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's come see us. I think, you know, being online is, is great, but mm-hmm. often we keep a lot of things just in-store only, so we get to connect with you and be be uh, in the moment together yeah yeah sam and i want to thank you so much for listening to something more human if you're enjoying the podcast and want to support us there are plenty of no cost minimal effort ways you can do so for starters you can subscribe to the show on your favorite listening platform you can leave us a five-star review drop us a comment with a topic you'd like to hear us discuss in an upcoming episode and you can also keep up with us on instagram and tiktok give us a follow there at something more human thanks so much thank you